You're listening to audio from the Village Church, a community that's formed by the gospel and sent on God's mission, gathering weekly in the heart of downtown Hamilton, Ohio. For more information about the village or to connect with us, you can find us online at myvillagechurch.com. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3, and it says this. Now I, w- I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. You guys can be seated. Good evening. My name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks so much for hanging out with us this evening. Uh, There is a saying that says, familiarity breeds contempt. And I'm sure you've heard that. What that means is, uh, you know, over time, the things that we become familiar with begin to be kind of like tension points as we begin to know people for who they are or things for what they are. But, But it's not just that we become tense with those things, but some things over time just, just seem to mean less when we become familiar with them. It, isn't that true? Like the people and the things most familiar are the people and the things that seem to kind of subtly lose their excitement over time. And the impact of that drift towards just familiarity can be devastating. In relationships, uh, whether you're in one or you've ever been in one or you've, what you've, you've probably seen one, uh, and, and what it looks like is at the beginning, eye gazes and, and heart flutters and excitement and all those things and, and, uh, and love notes and, and maybe flowers. And, and when you're not with that person, you want to be with that person every moment, every second. And then over time, that relationship can drift towards just numb, kind of functional companionship at best. Uh, there's a book called Date Your Wife, and it's, and it's by a guy named Justin Buzzard, and it's to, to men who find themselves in that situation, and, and he's pushing against this, uh, this drift and towards uh, something apart, something better than just a numb marriage, and this is what he says. He says, there are five steps that, that we do. He says, one, step one, find a girl you like, All right? Step two, get that girl to like you back. Step three, impress the girl until she becomes your girlfriend and wants to marry you. Step four, relax. Step five, share a home, bills, conflict, kids, and stress with the girl who was your girlfriend. Don't go anywhere. Right? We can, we can see what he's saying, that familiar things tend to drift from importance. And that's true for relationships. And that's true for gifts and, and things that we receive or things that we, that we buy or things that we possess. That's true for information and it's true for news that we hear. And sometimes it's a big deal. And over time, it becomes less of a big deal. And when that happens, we're in danger of allowing things most important to drift to the background of our minds, of our days, of our life. And what happens is it all becomes just numb 
and dull, and we just bring assumption into it, and, and things that we worked hard to know and behold are now kind of just automated emotions, mechanical and lifeless. And over time, we drift and we wander to the next thing, to new things, to lesser things. And when we do, we lose the best things about the best things. And the truth is, that pattern that, that we engage with, with basically all of creation, that pattern seems dangerously close uh, to, to working itself out in our relationship with God himself. What of uh, the, the most important relationship? What if we forget the most important news we've ever known? We, we can't stand and, and all other news loses its, its meaning and all other relationships lose their, their value. What of this news that Christ died for your sins? How's that hit you tonight? Search with me for a second. Christ died for your sins. I mean, is that, is that the foundation on which you stand? Or is it something that you assumed that we might sing about? <laughs> that we might read about, that I might talk about? Is it, is it something that, that you hear and you say, yeah, that's fine, who cares? Or, yeah, that's a big deal, and I know, but, you know, life and all the things. See, for that news to be good news, we have to know our greatest problem, and our greatest problem is this, that we are not okay with God. We start there. We, we are not okay with God. Like, like other fractured relationships, we are broken. And we are the reason that our relationship is broken. And unlike other relationships, God of the universe stands against us as we are because of who we are. And my, my hope is that, that wherever this meets you tonight, that from now on you would remember this good news and it would change you today and forever. To be numb to Christ's death is to forget the best news the world has ever known. So Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, it's at the end of a letter he's writing, and he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So he says, man, you know the news that I shared and you know the news that you received, and it's the news on which you stand. It's the, it's the foundation of your life. It's the news in, in which you are being saved, assuming that you're all in. He says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. Now here's the thing about Paul, this guy writing this letter. He encountered Jesus, and Jesus sent him on a mission and he became a, 
a church planter, all right? And he preached the gospel, and, and he gathered God's people, and he went to another town, and he preached the gospel, and he, he gathered God's people, and he did it over and over and over again. And he's writing this letter to these people that, that he saw. He came into the town, and he, he proclaimed this truth that he's getting ready to share, to remind them of, and they received that truth. And so he knows them as, as of first importance, the first best news. This matters most. What is it? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Look, there, there's, more, there's more to it than that. But we must never let ourselves get beyond that truth. Now, we're unsure what he's saying when he's saying, in accordance with the scriptures, he, he doesn't have any cross-references in his letter. But what he's, he's pointing back to the Old Testament. And he's saying, Christ died for our sins just as God prophesied and told us that he would. And, and, and we open this gathering up tonight by reading Isaiah 53. And many people think that Paul's kind of pointing back at this and saying, Jesus, this one, Isaiah writes 750 years plus before Jesus shows up. And so he makes the connection that this is the one, the long-awaited hope. And this is what he says. I'll, I'll read just a few verses in Isaiah 53, starting in verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, like, like our offenses. And he was crushed for our iniquities. Like our sin. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. I'll skip down to verse 11. And out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. And he shall bear their iniquities. See, this is what we've come to, to mourn tonight and to celebrate this evening, the death of Jesus for the sins of man. And we call this Good Friday because Christ completed his mission to save the world from their sins. Uh, the, the, the good news doesn't end with Christ's death. And, and we'll, we'll read on in this 1 Corinthians passage in just a few days on Sunday. It doesn't end there. But, but Christ's death is the beginning of the end of our despair. It is the beginning of the end of all things broken in us. It is the beginning of the end of all things broken around us and through us and to the ends of this world. This is the news on which we stand, the foundation of life with God. And if so, man, can we be a people who remembers good news that Christ died for our sins and not only yours, but all who would believe. So there are two really simple things that we must hold near for us to remember that Christ's death is good news. And the first one is this. 
Sin's wage is death. See, rebellion against God, when, when we live apart from Him, it has a payment. There's a, a pay structure. And, and we get that wage, and when we sin, when we live our life outside of, of who God is, that payment is death. And, and not only death in the physical, but, but we trade in a relationship with God for a relationship that's, that's fractured by our sin, and we trade in the fullness of life now and forever. So all who sin are without hope, and there are zero exceptions to that. All who sin deserve death. And so what we like to do is we like to say, you know what, that, that might be true. And I know my biggest problem is that I can't be right with God and that I'm broken in my relationship with him. But like I'm okay, right? And I'm not like that bad. But, but what we get to do is not make excuses for ourselves. We get to come to this place where we say, I'm separated from God and I am the problem. We all sin, and sin breaks everything. It breaks relationships, us with God, broken. It, it breaks relationships, us with one another, broken. We vie and we strive for things that we had when we were one with the Lord, we try to fix things, and, and what we end up doing is, is breaking them, and, and, and it breaks our relationships with the creation around us, and it breaks our relationship with ourself, how we see ourselves, who we are when no one is around. So all have this shared identity, sinner. But God loves his people so much that he wouldn't let us break his creation, and he wouldn't let us run from him, and he wouldn't let us hurt one another by our sins. So in his perfect plan, he demands perfect justice, judgment for sin. And that judgment was death for all who lived a law unto himself. But there was one who, who lived perfectly, and he pleased God in truth and motive of heart, and he pleased him in love in every way. He was obedient to the, the Father, in all of his thoughts and all of his words and all of his actions, perfect. There was one, and you know the saying, like, I have some good news and I have some bad news. And then someone says, well, what do you want to hear first? And you always say, the bad news. Because nobody wants to go out on, on bad news. Well, here's the thing. The bad news is that one who lived to please God, it's not you. It's not me. It's not your neighbor. But the good news is, there was one who has obeyed God for us. That takes us to the second thing that we have to understand for this to be good news. That Christ paid our wage. That's what we sing about tonight. This is more than a headline. News is more than a headline. But if, if this was it, it would be enough that Christ paid our wage. All sinned. We are all born children of wrath, separated from God. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love for us, 
even while we were dead in our sins against him, he made a way. And because Christ died to pay our wage, we celebrate his death. Being forgiven of sin, invited to a life with God. And and it doesn't take away all other problems, but it's our biggest eternal problem and it shapes all other things. So we celebrate the birth of Christ at Christmas. The, The mission begins, right, in the flesh. It shows up. And we celebrate his perfect life as we read the scriptures and we see him engage and we see him sin not once, pleasing the Father in every way. And all that makes his loving death so incredible that that he did for us what we could not do and he died in our place. God, rich in mercy because of his great love, sent his son to suffer to make right what we make wrong. To in Christ, we can walk in the righteousness of God because he pleased the Father. See, to be numb to Christ's death is to forget the best news the world has ever known. So, so what do we do with that? Jesus overcame our biggest problem, separation from God and death by drawing near and dying. So what we get to do is just three really simple things. The band can come on up. We get to behold it, we get to cultivate that truth, and we get to live it. Hear me on this. You are no longer guilty. You are no longer severed from God. You are forgiven, you are loved, and you are near to God, the creator of the universe. Not because of what you can do but because of what he surely has done. So we get to behold that truth. We get to trust Jesus tonight and every day of our life for the forgiveness of our sin that we are made right with God. And and when we behold that, we get to cultivate that. We get to come together in gatherings just like this. And we get to stir our minds and our hearts with it. We get to gather and, and partake of communion in just a few minutes to remember and declare Christ's death on our behalf. We get to feed our soul, and we get to sing it and read it and reflect, and we get to slay sin because your sin has met its end. And we get to live it. What a gift. It's, not, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ's righteousness that lives in me. Unless you believed in vain. We get to follow him. See, familiarity breeds contempt. And so my, my hope for us is that we would be a people who never forget to behold the greatest news ever known. Remember of first importance that Christ died for our sins and may this truth be the foundation on which we stand. So in just a minute, we get to take communion. And, and what I'm encouraging you to do is... is Grab the elements, grab the cup, the the juice, and and the little wafer, and take it back to your seat right where you are, and just hold it. And after this next song, we're going to all partake in that together. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for sending your son to lay down his life for us. And I know we've, maybe in this room, we've heard that a dozen or a thousand times. Would you let us not grow numb to that? We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name.